0: academy episode three
1: It was at a point where we were I was considering the need to go from from three advisors or from two advisors to three advisors, and, and we looked at hours per r o and they had dropped off and and we and, and he was on the phone with me we did some calculations and stuff you know to determine there was a need for another advisor, which we already knew i mean we were in a if you're thinking you need another advisor, you needed one a while ago it's just now become reality uh but but the but what he told me. And and, and I've used this since then, and and, and I find it to be so true. When you hire a new advisor, within about 30 days, you should notice an increase of 0.3 per RO, three-tenths per RO. Your average RO, not for that advisor, but overall, should go up about three-tenths. And there's two reasons that that should happen.
0: Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, welcome aftermarketers to the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on the great qualities of a service advisor. This is Carm Capriotto, your host. Now, as you know, we take a single topic each week with an industry panel and broadcast live Fridays at 12 noon Eastern on my webinar platform and on Facebook. You can learn all about connecting at remarkableresults.biz/townhall. See the show notes for this town hall academy at remarkableresults.biz/a003 and there you'll find in-depth bios on my guests. Now I understand that not everyone has the time to sit in front of a video screen or to be on Facebook and that is the power of podcasting, the digital audio broadcast that is so portable and easy to find. Every Academy session is on my website's learning page, and now you have the additional resource of having the Town Hall Academy as a podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Spreaker. And if you have my iOS or Android app, you'll find the Academy episode right there. Hey, I guarantee powerful learning nuggets in each episode. And see, it's your peers who put on this tutoring and share their ideas, best practices, and passion on what works for them and where they've had their own successes and challenges. The Academy Podcast is another powerful resource of educational content inside the Remarkable Results Radio brand. Hey, here's a cool idea. Schedule a lunch and learn with your team. Listen or watch an Academy together. Hey, thanks for being here. And by your support, you keep the wheels turning for both you and me. Now listen to the great qualities of a service advisor with Ron Haugen from West Side Auto Pros in Des Moines, Iowa, John Epstein from John's Automotive Care in San Diego, California, and Barry Barrett, Director of Training, RLO. Now here we go. When I started to think about qualities of a top service advisor, I had this thought pattern. Do we talk about traits or we talk about certain qualities and, and, and interactions? And I thought we would start with A few traits. And John, I know you're big on listening. I think you've said in the past service advisors got to be phenomenal listeners.
2: Yeah, they have to listen. Um, That's the key, probably the most important thing is just letting your customer talk. You know, so many times we're in a hurry, we got phones ringing and people, you know, coming in the door, and the service advisor tends to cut things short. And a couple things happened. They missed that real important piece of information that they took a little bit longer they would have caught. Like the fact that, you know, a week ago, the customer's brother got under the hood of the car and took something out. And, you know, but that didn't come up early on in the conversation or just, you know, people like to be heard. And if they feel like they've been heard, they're more apt to trust you, to do business with you. And, you know, just good things happen when that happens. So,
0: Does a service advisor have to have... At really good aha moment quality to him, because you know I think your point is, is if they're really a good listener and they hear something that hmm interesting didn't know that i wasn't quite sure of this, does that help them engage better with the customer
2: I would say sometimes, but uh, you know a lot of times it's just yeah they, they have to listen, but they also have to take all that information and one of the other points that I brought up was taking what the customer says and transferring it to the technician so they can use it Um, because so many times you know I'll be out with my techs and they'll be like hey I need to know a little bit more about you know what's going on with this car you know we don't quite have enough information and so that comes back to if you listen a little better and then if you conveyed that information better then there's going to be less time People running back and forth, trying to get information, trying to call a customer this now in their 10 o'clock meeting that won't be available till 12. and You know, you can kind of see how that goes from there. So that,
0: that stuff is so tough because people's lives are planned. I mean, they are just scripted today. So, Ron, I'm interviewing technicians now, and as I have been interviewing them and having pre-calls with them, they've suggested to me to have a show and invite service writers and technicians together and talk about that transference of communication. Do you agree that it's really an important piece?
1: It's huge, it's huge. It's probably, as cars uh, you know, tend to get more complex, uh, it's probably a more lacking talent these days than it has been in the past. Uh, just, you know, service advisors, as John had said, they're, they're on board to be listeners. Uh, but they have to speak two languages. They have to speak customer language so they can, they can draw out the information that's needed. Uh, but then they have to be able to speak technician language and put it into, into what the technician needs to hear. And, and I'm going to echo what John said, but that, that is probably one of the more common problems in a shop is the, the technician doesn't get that critical piece of uh, information or all the information that they need to quickly and swiftly diagnose the car.
0: How important is it to have the technical experience and knowledge? Does, can, can, a, can a great tech become a service writer because they have all that expertise?
1: Rarely do I see that. I mean, I could count on one yeah. hand the number of times that I have seen that work. I tried it. I, I tried it with a really good technician, and, and it didn't work. And, and I tried it a second time with a, a really good technician, and it's actually worked pretty well. So, um, but, but that that would be the exception, not the rule. I don't think it's a good idea and, and I don't see it being successful very often.
0: I've heard that over and over again, but yeah, techs have a career goal in mind. <laughs> There's a slot there that says I could be a service advisor. And until they realize I have to love people. So let's talk about that love people thing. I mean, that was one of the things Barry wanted to talk about. And he's not here to talk about it. But how important is you really got to care for people?
1: Oh, it's huge. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I mean, pe- people, people don't want to know the technical part of, of what's wrong with their car because they don't understand their car to begin with. But, but they, need, they need to feel that, that you care about them. You're engaging with them. Um, you're, you're listening to them, as John had said. That's totally the key uh, to a good service advisor. You know, it's been said for years, people do business with people they know, love and trust. And you've got to feel known, loved, and they have to provide trust.
0: So the schools are out there to take a people person and just make them extraordinary, right? Yes. John, have you ever sent any of your people to those kinds of finishing schools?
2: (laughs) You know, what, what I found is that a good technician has to have people skills to begin with and and you know technicians i was a technician my people skills i was kind of lucky i grew up in a gas station so i wrote my own service and did you know as a technician some of my technicians they don't like people they tell me hey i don't want to talk to the customer i don't want to talk to the customer i've had better luck with hire, I've hired a guy that didn't know the difference between a tire and a carburetor and put him at my front counter. And he was, he did a great job because he was personable. He cared about people. He quit working for me because he cared about people so much that every time they were sad, he got sad and he thought he was making them sad. So that's kind of what you need to look for. You know, the, yeah, the technicians don't generally tend to make good service advisors. They get way too technical. They're on the phone with a new customer. They're trying to diagnose the car over the phone. Which never is good because if you tell people too much and they think they can fix it themselves, now they're, you know, off buying a part because some guy <laughs> that they talked to, you know, was trying to diagnose the car over the phone. So
0: the, they need the ability, John, to uh, present facts and give guidance to the customer. And so the, the, the individual you were having a problem with, it, it, was his heart too big? Was he a, too much of a giver? And, and I don't mean that it's not good to give, but sometimes. You know it 's never a two way trust,
2: you know at the end of the day, it was just he was you know everybody that came in sad he kind of felt you know he was like oh god i'm I'm making these people sad he He actually did a phenomenal job he he did just that, he presented the facts he didn't he didn't have all that technical stuff, so he would just present the facts you know, hey, Mrs. Jones, you need these five things one da 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 da." three need to be done now, two can be done later. And he did a phenomenal job. But there are those people that just, you know, they don't have the money. It's not a good time. You know, everybody just has to, you know, come back. Oh, wow, wow, it's just way too much money. he, He just kind of took it all personal.
0: I get it. He had actually too much empathy. That's a great, great thing. It doesn't necessarily work in every business that we're in. Okay, pressure, Ron. This business that you're in, there's no pressure is
1: there (laughs) (laughs) i worked my own front counter for a while and there's a reason i'm not there anymore there's yeah there's a ton of pressure i mean the service advisor is getting pressure uh from the technician uh you know to to sell work sell good work sell it for for what it should be so they can get paid and operate efficiently and then the, the service advisor has pressure from the customer. Because um, most of the time, it doesn't matter what price you tell them, it's more than they expected it. And the the money's not budgeted. Uh, The repairs are often untimely for them. And so it's just, it's a bad situation overall when people are live for a repair. And they're not mad at you, they're just mad at the situation. But they've got to deal with the pressure of of that. So they've got pressure from the technician, they've got pressure from uh, the customer, and then, you know, don't think for a moment that John and I aren't putting a little bit of pressure on them to perform as well. And, and so they, they've really got it coming from all directions. And it takes a very unique and a very remarkable person to be a, a great service advisor.
0: Okay, John, describe what Ron kind of just outlined. Describe your service advisor in the vein that they can handle pressure, deal with the customers, deal with you.
2: Yeah, and on top of that, they just got a call from the parts store that the part they ordered 2 hours ago is back ordered and won't be here till tomorrow after they just got off the phone telling the customer it would be done in an hour. So, yeah, they they do absolutely get pressure from all over the place and you know, a, a lot of that pressure can be relieved by the communication, you know, and and we've kind of touched on that. If they're good listeners, they're going to know what's going on. You know, if they're if they're good at communicating, they're going to be able to convey to people, hey, you know, we got this going on, we got that going on, you know, there's a part that, that broke that, you know, now we got to sp- extend the time out. But they remember hearing the customer say something about he's going out of town for two days, so now he can re- get back with that customer. Hey, you know, we got a problem. I, I know you're going out of town. Is it going to be okay to keep your car a couple of days? You know, if you can... Listen, you know, it comes back to that, you know, listening and then being able to take that information and do something with it, you know, and knowing your customers helps too, you know, because if you know, like, you know, you got a plumber whose vehicle's broken down and he's sitting, you know, he's sitting at the coffee shop waiting to go on his next call, you know, you got to get on that and you know that the guy with five cars and him and his wife, you know, there's just two of them. You know, you can take a little extra time with those, you know, those people. So, yeah, the the pressure does come from from everywhere. So
0: agree, disagree, Ron.
1: Oh, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And and, and also, I mean, as the owner of the shop, I mean, there, there's a lot you can do as far as giving the service advisor tools. To deal with that pressure, I mean, you can, yeah. you know, you can give them a loaner car program to to help, you know, ease ease the pain or the pressure of, you know, when when the part is back ordered or something like that. You can get them support staff to to help, you know, answer the telephone and and take some of the heat off of them. So so there's a lot that we can do for those advisors too, rather than just take the attitude of you know suck it up and deal with it, which is the wrong attitude.
0: Yeah, I just uh, thought when uh, John mentions they got a call from the parts store, it's. Uh uh, parts not here back ordered 2 hours ago how big do you need to be guys to have a parts guy that that's all a guy or gal that's all they do is to feed uh the techs uh, the parts pull it together deal with the parts store buy stuff online how big you got to be
1: i don't like that model i i i i'm not yeah. sure that that i would be big enough i mean i'm i'm a 14 bay repair repair facility and we don't have a parts guy the advisors do that, and if that starts to, to slow the process down, I would rather hire another advisor than hire a parts guy because now you've got one more person in the mix, and, and you look at, you know, like a dealership model. You know, the the advisor there looks up the labor. Well, now he's waiting on the parts department to provide him with the parts quote, and then parts provides the quote, but they didn't tell him that it's not in stock. So <laughs> I, I just see... You, you know, we, we already blame a lot on parts departments. That's probably not their fault on a day-to-day basis. Fr- from an independent shop standpoint, I, I, would, I would rather put that money into another advisor that can better take care of the customer and, and allevi- uh, you know, alleviate that bottleneck uh, than potentially look at a parts guy
0: himself. I have a friend who's got a big place like you, Ron, and he has his service advisors and his parts guys guy in a pit, if you will, if you build a big quad uh, facing to the customer, facing the shop. I guess if you've got the right people, the right processes and systems, Ron, and you're big with process and systems. When you started to write your processes and systems, Ron, were they concentrated front counter more or back shop more? And then ultimately, how did you grow into having good policies and processes for service advisor?
1: Initially, they were focused on where the problems are. They still are today. Right. Um I, mean, I I worked on one you know last week and it was uh you know to update a a, a policy and a procedure that we have uh because we were having a problem with it the, the the squeaky wheel gets the grease that that's where where you start writing them and they're really not that hard I I mean you you establish a, an outline I mean what the objective is what what you're what you're trying to accomplish and then you basically just put your thoughts on paper as to how you think this should be done. You might involve, you know, if it's something in the shop, involve the tech or involve an advisor uh, in doing that. But but when you get it done, you know, a couple of people proofread it, see if it makes sense. And and more importantly, it's it's just about your thoughts and desire are now in writing. And and there's kind of a saying, or I've had a saying for a while, I heard it from someone, I don't remember where it came from, but it said, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. And, and that's, that's why we, we have... You know, policies and procedures, because if it's in writing and someone doesn't follow through, then you can get it out. You can review it with them. And, and there's one of two reasons. Either they didn't fully understand it, and now you reviewed it with them so they do understand it, or it's just insubordination. But, but those are the only two reasons it didn't get followed.
0: It's just vapor if it's not written down. Now, John, I know uh, occasionally you do your thing, and you let your shop run the way it does. Same issue, very strong policies procedures
2: probably not as well put together as i should i'm here a lot and and now that i'm transitioning away i am writing more procedures and policies They, they are very important just like you know ron said you can talk about stuff till you're blue but if you don't have it in writing you can't you know refer somebody back to it and say i know we've talked about it it's right here you can read it and then yeah it's a matter of you know was somebody? Was it not done because it's the wrong procedure? It's too much going on, or do they just not want to do it? And that's you know trying to figure out which from there is sometimes easier than you would think. I had a, a unique situation about seven or eight years ago. Napa has a an i a program. It's, it's they call them IBS stores, and they're mm-hmm. um, actually you have a Napa store inside your repair facility, and Napa had a number back then it was about, you need to spend about $25,000 a month in parts and they would put a parts, a partsman and a driver, you know, and then you had to have space for inventory. They put inventory in. The number was a little bit off. Now they've revised it and it's more like you need to spend about $50,000 a month in parts. And then you can have parts guy and a driver. Um, And and it's kind of nice um, it's a di- it's it's a little different than having a parts guy that looks it up and puts it on the work orders and all that. This is just a, a parts guy sitting at your place. He'll source you parts. And, you know, Ron, that might be something good for you. You know, you probably spend that much in parts, and I I've thought about going back to that, except for we're kind of limited on space. So, if you have a little extra space, it's a really nice thing.
0: Thanks, John. Great, great comment and an idea on that. Uh, Barry wrote, He obviously he's not on camera with us, but he's, he's chatting away. And he says, most people fall short of leadership because they are making too many statements and not asking enough questions. Wow, is that profound. Any comments, my team?
1: I agree with that 100%. You know, if you've got somebody that doesn't follow a procedure... Um, I mean, you review it with them and then, and then you ask, what, what can I do? What roadblocks are in the way? Because, because you know, I, I, I wrote the procedure, but maybe stuff has changed over the years and, and, yeah. and there is a hurdle that I need to know about. I mean, work, work with them. Um, don't, don't just stand there with the, the, the axe and be the hatchet man.
0: I think what Barry was saying is that service writers may just say, yeah, you've come to the right place. Uh, Hey, don't forget, you know, you've always trusted us. And they make too many statements instead of really digging in deep and understanding the real issue that people are here. Again, as you said, Ron or John, I can't remember who it was they have a problem (laughs) and you're there to fix it. But yet you're, you're in the people business. You're in the, you're in the solutions business. You're not in the automotive repair business. And do service writers get that? A a good one. Will.
1: you're you're there to fix the customer's situation, which involves fixing them, their transportation needs, their financing needs, whatever the hurdle is. You're, you're there to fix their situation, repairing the car is secondary absolutely. that you're already going to do you're already going to fix the car you have to fix their situation
2: yeah a- absolutely it's uh you know you get somebody in in the morning and and they're not happy things aren't going right, right. they're not usually mad that their car breaks down because you know most cars break down they 're mad because they're supposed to have their kids picked up at ten o'clock, and now they can't get there. Or they have a doctor's appointment, you know, midday, and now they can't get there. You know, it's said doctor's appointment they made three months ago, and if they miss it, my advisors do a great job of getting to the the other problems, and and they have the tools to to do that. We've we've taken people. From home to work for two or three days when we've had their car, you know, we put people in rental cars. We don't have loaner cars, um, but my advisors have the power to do all that. You know, they can call call up Uber and you know get somebody a ride if if our shell guy is 45 minutes away and our other car is out. Then you know whatever it takes. Those are the real problems nine times out of ten that people are stressed about. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily their their car is broken down. It's all these other things that they have to do now have been displaced because they're not going to have a car
0: Uh, we were talking to bill de just a few weeks ago in his podcast and he talked he was all over the the ride share ron are you doing any of that our metropolitan area is small enough
1: uh like like john had mentioned you know that you know maybe your shuttle driver's 45 minutes out Uh, that doesn't mean he's 45 miles away it's it means he's 45 minutes out because of traffic what we're des moines is a it's a big enough city but yet it's small enough um you know 20 minutes old Will get us where we need to go. So, so we're not we're not running into into much of a rideshare type situation. I've, I've got three shuttle drivers, three shuttle cars, and and then we've got some backup people for them. So it's it, it really there hasn't been a need for it for us.
0: But I love the idea. It's an exciting idea, and obviously, all you have to do is to look at the the world around you and say. How can I adapt or use that, right? I mean, that's that, that takes a, a good mind and someone who's always trying to improve their business. Okay, guys, now, it's a scenario. Each of you need to hire a service writer, okay? You're you're in the need for one. And I, I think you've all given me a little bit of a clue on this. Uh, so we're not going to go with the tech, but we're going to go out and find someone. Any assessments or any, what kind of questions do you ask an individual who's sitting across from you?
1: We, we look for personality and the person. We'll do a disc assessment so we, we see where they, they fall in uh, along that line. We have uh, a written test that they take so we can see how they're going to answer questions. Uh, that And they're worded such that, you know, there, there's empathy involved, there, there's there, there's sympathy involved. But, but there's also, you know, you have to understand, and, and you know, John had kind of alluded to this, they can't have too much empathy. I mean, they, they, they have to be competitive, uh, they have to be goal oriented, they have to be sales oriented. But, but that's easier to teach uh, th- than trying to teach, you know, uh, personality, you can't teach that it comes with it. And so, so that's, that's one of the things that we we really look at is, is the personality. One of the, one of the most successful service advisors that I have today is a gal that we hired outside of our industry. She had no sales experience. She had no automotive experience, but she is a people person. Uh, she is, is goal driven. She is competitive. Uh, when we hired her, she was, she was a secretary for the department of corrections, nothing to do with our industry. But she was quick to learn, and she does a phenomenal job, and people love her.
0: Ron, I have a follow up question to that. You say you give a disc test, and I, I know what a disc test is uh, it measures the levels of dominance, extroversion, steadiness, and uh, conformity. What are you looking for? What are the high side traits are you looking for in a service advisor?
1: You don't want them to rate high on the on the D scale, or or they're going to butt heads with me, and that isn't going to work. You know, I mean, I mean, if you ever look at it, you know, you've got the D, I, and the S and the C. You want C in there, and and you need some S in there. I mean, that's kind of where your balance is going to be, because they need they need to be organized and process driven, but they've also got to have uh, you know some personality, the 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 empathy and stuff that comes through with that. So you yeah, know, I would say that's kind of a it, 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 there there isn't an actual correct answer but it does help us to give kind of a baseline of the person that we're talking to.
0: It gets you close, it gets you close.
1: Exactly. That, that occurs before we even sit down and interview them in person. I mean, we'll, we'll take a look at resumes and then we'll email them a link to take a, a disc assessment before we sit down and talk with them.
0: Hey, John, did you see Barry's uh, uh, chat? Barry said, uh, here's a question to ask in an interview. Uh, you're at your retirement party in 30 years what do you want them to say about you?
2: That That's a good one.
0: So tell me about your interview experience.
2: Well, we don't have anything quite as formal as that. I'm still living back in the days when it was, you know, me, myself and I, and, and we kind of just went, uh, you know, went out with how, you know, how, how I can relate to people and how people, you know, relate back. And, you know, when it comes to service advisors. I've done good and bad at hiring people that I've that I've known. One of my worst hires was a girl that worked at uh, a dealership. She was friends with friends and I talked to her over six or seven years and I needed a service advisor and she's always super nice and you know, seemed like she kinda knew what she's talking about and you know, me being a great read of how people are. I hired her and she argued with every customer because she had to, you know, prove to them she was smarter than they were. So, you know, we had certain questions we ask, we talk two or three times. Um, I have my manager sit in and it's just kind of, you know, we just kind of read people and having people sitting here in the office, uh, you know, we let them sit out front and kind of listen to how things go. You know, we've had a one guy that quit, he we hired him and he quit because we had too many rules and I thought that was kind of funny because I know people <laughs> like Ron probably have way more rules than you know than, than we have so you know you know there's no surefire way the last three or four advisors we've hired have been um, out of the industry um, you know that came from other places and it was just we hired them on their people skills and uh, that's to me the most important
0: team dynamic. I've heard uh, you can hire a service writer, service advisor, and the back and the front, uh, somebody may have a, have a piece of friction there, uh, or you may hire a new tech. And so if you're going to hire a service advisor and or a tech, you really have to consider team culture, don't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, probably the... The next biggest challenge to finding quality people is finding quality people that can work with each other. We've been pretty fortunate. Uh, you know, we haven't had too many issues where, you know, a, a tech comes and says, if you don't fire that advisor, I'm, I'm leaving or anything like that. You know, you
0: haven't had that?
2: No, we haven't had that. Lucky you. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we have, we have friction and, and I'll, I'll have, yeah. I'll have people come to me and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm having problems with, uh, you know, Fred. And I'll say, well, have you, have you talked to Fred about what's going on? And and it's always the same, you know, they get the same answer from me. That's the first thing I ask, have you tried to solve the problem? And I just remind them, if I if I go in there and try to solve this problem without you having tried, it's just going to make things worse. Early on in my career, I, I focused more on experience and, and um, a background. And now I look at more how people just deal, you know, with each other. And, um, you know, personalities are, are much more important than finding somebody that's been in the industry for 30 years. You know, you want somebody that, that cares about people and, um, you know, talks well, listens well.
0: Thanks. Now, Ron, uh, some sage wisdom from a guy who's got 25 people. How do you keep it all together?
1: You've got to have the expectation, and, and we talk about this in our, our company meetings and stuff, uh, there 's twenty five people uh, that work together and depend on each other i 'm not going to find twenty five people that are all the best of friends but i can 't have the expectation that they 'll respect each other you know for the most part you, you run into that but but you have to keep in mind i mean that that you know if a cancer does arise, you need to do something about it because it'll it 'll take down um, the, the the whole rest of the team and and you know one of the things from a service advisor standpoint that we do is so our our service advisors will they'll work with the same text, They'll form a team. So we might have an advisor and two technicians, and and that's a team, and they and they always work together. And so they get to know each other, and 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 they get to know their strengths and weaknesses, and and communication stuff like that. And, and that seems to work pretty well. And 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 once in a while, you'll have a technician that'll come and say, you know, I I can't work with this person anymore. I I want to work with so and so. Um, or, or they 'll just come up and complain about somebody, not just attack anyone and, and and what I do is if, if somebody 's complaining about somebody, I mean the next question is well, what do you think the solution is? because oftentimes they realize that they don 't have a solution or, or there isn 't a solution, and, and then it 's just time to rethink it and go back and, and put the machine in forward gear and and, and make it move again. but everybody that 's there that I have today um, Gets along well, works well. They, they, they've all got the, the, the company's goals and interests, you know, in mind. And, and, and that, that's another thing. You, you know, you need to have a, a mission statement. You, you need to have a code of ethics. And, and not the one that your parts supplier or whatever organization you, you belong to gives you. you know, it's kind of like when you were talking about, you know, procedures and, and policies earlier, John. I mean, I have shops ask me all the time, can I get a copy of your policies and procedures? And the response is only if you're going to change them.
2: Right. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Template. I'll give you a template yeah. all day long how to write it, but they have
0: to be yours. You you need to ask for a franchise fee because if they copy what you're doing <laughs> I don't
1: have time for all that. I, I, I think I think culture, the culture of the business, if if your employees know what you expect of them and, and where the business needs to go and how it needs to get there, they'll pretty much fall in line. And if they don't then you need, to start, you need to always be recruiting anyway.
0: Ron, have you ever had to let someone go as soon as you pulled in a, a new team member because within, say, three or four weeks because the culture wasn't, wasn't working?
1: Absolutely. You know, We've all made bad hires, um, and they were good hires the day we hired them. They just go bad, and sometimes they yeah. go bad quickly. But, yeah. but um, I tend to hang on to them a little bit too long trying to fix it. But you know better, and I've gotten better over the years of realizing, okay, you're rewriting a procedure to try to fix this person. Why don't we just go get somebody that, that can yeah. adapt to it like everybody else does? So, oh, yeah, I've, we've had to let people go. In a, we, we let somebody go this last week, and they've been there roughly 30 days.
0: Real world. Barry uh, has a comment, three interviews, the second being a lunch with the team. That's a great idea. Ever do that?
2: We don't do lunch, but uh, if it, if we're hiring an advisor, I have a couple of key technicians and, you know, the other advisors and all that. They're all part of the, the interview process. So.
0: Great. Cool idea. Hey, Ron, uh, when we chatted in our pre-call, you sent me some information about areas that you'd love to cover, and it, it was great stuff on benchmarking and, and measurement, and one of them was, how can measuring hours per repair order tell you if you made the right hire or you're about ready to need to hire an, another advisor? Go into that for us.
1: I'm going to start with that. Uh, this was information that was given to me. It's, it's not my information, but I use it and it's really good. I mean, this information came from the, the late Bob O'Connor and, and John Waffler, who's a, a facilitator for one of the bottom line impact groups. Um, but, but specifically from Bob, and, and I remember uh, it was it was at a point where we were I was considering the need to go from from three advisors or from two advisors to three advisors, and, and we looked at hours per RO and they had dropped off, and and we and, and he was on the phone with me. We did some calculations and stuff. You know, determined there was a need for another advisor, which we already knew. I mean, we were in a. If you're thinking you need another advisor, you needed one a while ago. It's just now become reality. Uh, but, but the but, what he told me and and, and i 've used this since then, and, and, and I find it to be so true when you hire a new advisor within about thirty days, you should notice an increase of point three per ro three tenths per ro your average ro not for that advisor, but overall should go up about three tenths and there 's two reasons that that should happen one that's where the money's going to come from to pay for the guy. But number two, if if you're in need of that additional advisor and you bring them on board and, and within 30 days, they they should have enough training. They should, they should understand the job enough, but more importantly, they're taking customers off the plate of the other advisors, which means those advisors can now spend more time with the customer. And what happens when you spend more time with the customer Sales go up.
0: Sales yeah.
1: So that measuring stick is it's golden in my book and it works. You were talking about, have I ever let somebody go in a short period of time? I, I hired an advisor one time and, and he had dealership experience. He'd actually uh, been the mm. service manager at a small dealership where the service manager kind of was an advisor. And, and, and I told him, I I said, you know, here's what I'm after. Here's where our hours per hour are. And I said, within 30 days, I need to see that move 0.3. He said, oh, no big deal. That won't be a problem. And I thought, wow, I hired the right guy. And, and he would monitor it every day. At the end of 30 days, I sat down with him and I said, um, our hours per hour went down 0.1. They didn't even flatline. They went down 0.1. We're looking for 0.3 increase. So I said, we're going to give it 30 more days. And I need to see that point four increase, and and of course, you know, like anything, you know, he, he had an excuse or here is why or whatever, but but it wasn't a problem. He knew how to do it. We were going to do it right now, and so at the end of thirty days, when they still hadn't improved, they were still where they were thirty days behind. I, I knew it was the wrong guy. So yeah. you, you pull the trigger and you, and you get someone else. But that measuring stick is huge.
0: Yeah, and and your your termination was steeped in uh, in just logic and. Uh, expectations that were never met
1: if i tell you this is what we need to do and you say no problem we're going to do it and we don't get there
0: twice Uh, no problem boss whoops (laughs) i hear
2: you i just say come on ron they moved okay just because they moved the wrong direction shouldn't matter
1: (laughs) i didn't put a plus or minus in front of it was the problem yeah
2: yeah there needs to be a procedure for that
1: I'll get right in one.
0: Barry, I wish you were here. Great comments in the chat. If you don't have the right system, your sales won't go up. Ron and John have the right people. Ron, another one of the points that you wanted to bring up in in the show is about benchmarks and why should advisors understand and monitor their benchmarks, establish goals, and have access to them?
1: Uh, That's so they become a service advisor and not a service writer. Uh, I, I don't like the term service rider because they're, they're taking an order. I need an oil yeah. change, a tire rotation today, and uh, my belt squeaks. You know, the, the advisor will, will actually – you have to have a good inspection process in place, obviously. Um, but but the, the advisor will turn that inspection into, into in the needs, the additional needs for the car, um, into sales. And, and to do that, they, they need to see where they're at. They need to have some competitiveness – um, you know, whether whether, you know, whether it be off, you know, hours per ro or, or or gross profit, whatever the benchmarks you're using to measure that they need access to it so they can look at it. And so they can see what their colleagues are doing. Um, you know, a little bit of competition doesn't hurt to me. That's just huge is to, to provide them. And and it's interesting. You know, you know, I was talking about the, the, the gal that I had hired. She, she's been with us for two years now. And, and I mean, she does a really good job as an advisor she'll come to me. I mean, I mean I'll mean, i see her in passing throughout the day or in the break room or she'll walk by my office and, and she'll tell me what her average RO is. And she's beating herself up because it's down 60 bucks from last month or, or what her hours per RO are. Or sometimes you might uh, you know, sit down and have a conversation. And you say, hey, you know, your average RO has really dropped. And when they can come back and say, yeah, and I'll tell you why. You ran that headlight capsule special and I had to write <laughs> 37 of those tickets last month. And the other two people at the front counter only wrote 15. They already know the answer. Yeah. But it's because they have access to that and they understand you have a plan where you want them to go and how you want them to get there.
0: Yeah, It's amazing how people can look at the numbers and know exactly how and why they got there. Excellent. Barry mentions not measure and manage, but measure and motivate. And so it almost sounds a little bit, Ron, that there's a little self-motivation there on, you know, people, sometimes people can so over consume their numbers. They never focus on the real thing. And that is to serve the customers. They, you know, it, there's, there's this thing that says, you don't want, you don't want to look at the customer and see digits all over them. You want to look at the customer, see a real person. And, and and is that a, is that a balance issue for you when you have a person consumed by the numbers?
1: Well, it's a training issue, you know, I mean, and that's why you hire, you know, off, off, you know, personality, uh, I mean, you've got to have everything that we've talked to up to this point. You've got to have that first, but then you've got to have somebody that's that's a little bit competitive and understands the numbers. Yeah. You, you don't you don't want somebody that's unethical. You don't want somebody that's selling people stuff they don't need. Um, I mean, that, that just that just makes the whole shop dirty. You know, you also need somebody that realizes, you know, we're a for profit business. We, we need to turn profit. And, and, and they need to be paid well. We're, we're talking about looking for rockstar service advisors. we got to have money to hire them. They've got to be paid. They're in control of how they get there. It's a package deal. I mean, it's all got to come together or, or it's not going to work.
0: Thank you for that. Uh, We're we're nearing the top of the hour and one of the thoughts that I had is so many interviews that I have done in the last 19 months out of the 188 episodes, a lot of dialogue comes up from entrepreneurs, service professionals like you guys about the, sometimes I ask the right question. They say, oh yeah, I'll tell you the day I hired my service writer and I fired myself from the counter and it was the best thing I ever did. and And I never really knew if I had the money to hire that person and you know you're both smiling like two little children and <laughs> it was the best thing you guys ever did now ron can i assume that that 0.3 uh hours per ro is the number that would help a shop owner that doesn't have a service writer or is struggling to consider their second one is that that's the number to use
1: once once you hire an advisor to, to measure them Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the measuring stick. Did I get the right person?
0: How do you know when to hire?
1: You look at the bottleneck. Um, if you've got tech standing around, waiting on an advisor, waiting on an estimate, waiting on parts. There's tons of training companies that have different benchmarks. You know, In a nutshell, if, if, if you're the, the sole person on the counter as the owner, or you have one advisor, and, and you're turning less than two hours per RO, you better be getting somebody in there.
0: Basically, you're working in the business, not on it. And and that's a level of insanity. Uh, but, you know, if you're just starting out and, you know, you, you're lucky enough to have the money to open up a place, it's you and a tech usually. Isn't that how it works? I, I
1: think that's how most of us
0: started out. Yeah. You and a tech and you
1: were one of the techs.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Funny, that, that's a good, yeah, that's exactly how many of you guys, I was the best tech in the entire county, was the worst businessman ever. <laughs> I, I've heard that all the time. Well, look at, um, I'm going to give you guys the quote of the week, and then I'm going to ask you for a final comment. And I always try to find something that connects with the theme of the show. And this is from J.C. JCPenney. Uh, Used to be one of my favorite stores, but of late, I'm not sure where they're going. But still, smart man. He said, every great business is built on friendship. It's a pretty powerful statement. It was a great episode, and I enjoyed it so much. Ron, thanks for coming in from Puerto Morelos, Mexico. I want to tell everybody, Ron said that if you guys all fly down, we could do a town hall live from his place. So I just may pull something like that off, Ron. I have to tell you, it's it's a great idea. So last word, guys, uh, since our theme is service advisor, last word.
2: The most important, I'd say the most important part of my business is my team, absolutely. And, you know, the advisors, when they're having a good day, the whole shop has a good day. When they're having a bad day... You know, the whole shop has a bad day, so you you know, absolutely you want to focus on you know finding the right people for the job. You you want to have the focus be on the customer. At the end of the day, um I had this conversation with my all my people. Don't focus on the money. You focus on the customer. If you focus on the customer, the money will follow. Knowing the numbers is important, the benchmarks is important, but you gotta have that drive and the desire to Take care of the customer, solve their problems, and everything else will just come with it. So
0: thanks for your comments, John. Smart stuff, really. I mean, you, you kind of remind me of the of purpose. If you've got great purpose and culture in your company, the profits just show. Ron, your last word. John
1: Waffler, who I mentioned earlier, I, I remember one time I was having problems with uh I have one advisor, it was the first one I ever hired. And I was having what I perceived were problems, and uh The advice he gave me he said would you just go into your office shut the door leave him alone let him do his job and and there's so much to be said for that nobody's going to do it the way you would do it they're going to take a different path they're going to drive down a different street they're going to turn on a different corner but if they arrive at the same destination that you wanted to arrive at then it doesn't matter so so give them some leeway you know allow them to to you know give away a rental car or whatever you need to do but give them some leeway give them the tools let them do their jobs, and, and as long as the end result's the same, I mean, monitor customer satisfaction, monitor your benchmarks, w- w- whatever you're measuring for success, monitor that, and just leave them alone. Let them do their job. The reason you hired them is you don't want to do that job. That's
0: right. Isn't that why we hire any everybody? Yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely.
0: Hey, thanks, both of you. And by the way, uh, I'll, I'll give you a teaser for next week. The next next week's Town Hall Live is preparing your business for sale. And Ron Hogan's going to be back with us from Mexico. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.